It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. With an effective character, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience and recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. And special guest. I'm Kevin. Hey, the opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience with living amends in this episode 40, oh, in this episode 52 of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. That's wow. That's one year of podcast. I just flubbed up. I forgot that we actually made it into the 50s. Right? You're, you're like 12 episodes behind, man. <laughs> I was told I would never make it into my... A lot on your mind, To be fair, I didn't listen to the last 12 episodes either. Yeah. So I want to... Maybe, Dennis, you can introduce Kevin to us. We haven't heard his story yet. In the next couple episodes, uh, I do want to get him on, uh, sharing his experience, strength, and hope. But you guys were hanging out today. Can you introduce everybody to Kevin if they're not in celebration and don't know him? Yeah, I was like... Sitting like we, I just got out of a, a morning meeting and celebration, and me and Kevin and another friend of ours went and had coffee. And next thing I know, I looked down at my phone and I had a text uh, from you, Mike, to start this start this podcast, which I completely forgot we were doing tonight <laughs> or today. And yeah, but since we were there, I asked like if Kevin would be willing to do it and he was open to it. So he's here and I'll introduce Kevin like briefly where like, if you listen to my story on episode two, there is like at the, before I ever came into the room, I had a friend that I met and then he introduced me to some of his friends or whatever that we'd hang out and talk about movies. And Kevin was one of those friends that I met before I ever came into the room. And we bonded like early on over movies of all things. Cause we're both, we both love, absolutely love movies. So he's got some good stuff to say, some horrible stuff, but some good stuff. Yeah, Kevin, uh, what's your sobriety date? Just so people can kind of gauge your experience, strength, and hope. Uh, my sobriety date is April 23rd of 2009. Yeah. So so Kevin, I guess, is the elder statesman out of the, the three of us as far as the time in the rooms. And has probably, if I was to guess, a couple living amends that he is continuing to work on. Because, I mean, uh, when it comes to amends, and this is something that in the Zoom meeting that James puts together, he recommended this as a topic a couple days ago. And there was so much that people were just like, oh, my God, because we always talk about, you know, step nine and making amends. But the living amends are the things that keep on going. So I was curious. I'll start, I'll start with you, Kevin, so you can kind of um, get going on this. As far as what your first sponsor or even your current sponsor told you about living immense, like what was that advice that he gave to you explaining what that meant? 
my first sponsor, when we talked about step nine and uh, we actually, you know, I'm, of course, when you, when you first do step nine, you're about the, the amends that are immediately in front of you. Like, you know, I got to talk to my kids. I have to talk to my parents, my friends, you know, family. Um, but then we started talking about what happens after that. And like to my, my, my parents, let's say, they, they've heard I'm sorry before. So what he told me was the importance of the living amends as how I live my life going forward in my relationship to them. Like it's never going to be over, you know, and because of my past, it's very important to, 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 to live in a positive way now, you know, like it took me years to get to the relationship I have with my mother now. And I've been sharing it often in meetings about how happy I am that we're, we have a relationship now that we've never had in our lives. And I feel like I finally reached the pinnacle of my amends with her is because I'm finally the son that she wants me to be. And, but it's a weird kind of uh, symbiotic thing too, because she's also now the mother I've always wanted. And it's kind of weird how, when you put yourself out there and you're open to these things, you, you grow and, you know, like we have different political views. And the other day we were at lunch and she, she expressed one. Well, I had a counter, which I felt automatic that I had, (laughs) that I had to voice, but, the look in her eye when I was done wasn't about, Oh, I'm right. I'm right. It was, I saw pain and I saw anger Mm. and I'm not about that now. So in that moment, it was an old adage came back to me. I would rather be happy than right. And I decided from that moment on that I'm not going to argue with her about politics. You know, she is entitled to her opinion. Um, It's done her well, her whole life. She certainly doesn't need mine. And as, whereas I'm entitled to mine, I don't have to voice it with her because she feels very strongly about it. And my relationship with her these days is more important than that petty stuff. Cause that's really what it is. It's just a, you know, me trying to force my opinion on her or do it to me, but it's not important because I'd rather get along with her. You know, my daughter's in uh, law school now and I was never there when they were growing up. I have, I have two, I have twins, a boy and a girl. And when they were growing up, I was drunk. You know, so part of my living amends with my kids is once a week, I call them and kind of talk to them about where they are in life, you know, and just give them just give them some advice if it's needed. Like my son needs some advice right now. But my daughter's in law school. She's never needed advice. She needs encouragement and support, you know, and I have to recognize that. So part of my living amends with her is just to just to call her, let her vent about her how law school is. And let her tell me about it and then tell her how proud I am of her and how uh, if there's anything I can do, I, I would. And just, you know, but but a lot of times, like the living amends is really a simple thing. It's it's more like being available. You know, now I'm available to them. And it's not about me. I have I've learned a long time ago. It's not about me anymore. It's what I can give back. And uh, being on the phone with her for 45 minutes while she talks and tells me about her day and stuff like that priceless man you can't you can't, you can't go wrong with that that's kind of my take yeah De- dennis how about you Since Wait, we all have w- one second Friday. one second I, yeah, i'm yeah. hearing a lot of static and like feedback is that coming through or no i don't hear anything okay all right pick up where you were saying mike 
Sorry. So, no, so directed to you, Dennis. Like, as far as the the living amends, because I don't like I I've made amends to people and then I've really never talked to them again because it's not they're not in my life. Like, I apologize to friends in college, but I don't see them anymore. You know, like I, I'm not around them. I just am making amends to those people. But the people that are actually in my life currently, or ones that you know just like kevin was saying as far as like you know whether it's in person or even on the phone with his mom or his kids that he's not location wise with his kids like through the phone you can keep that living immense going it's like the people that are still in your life today and what you have to put in what did your sponsor dennis tell you um as far as the difference and maybe any tips on how to you know, make those amends more than just a, I'm sorry, like you said so many times before. Well, um, I I can't really specifically remember anything my sponsor told me because I don't really <laughs> listen to him. Yeah, there you go. No, you but, um, I don't know. I think like you and Kevin both touched on it really well. I think, you know, our whole lives we've said sorry. I know I've said sorry a million times that I didn't mean it. And you know, uh, those people, like, especially the people close to us, like our family members and stuff, they hear it, they hear it forever. And they've been betrayed by us. And like, they don't like, it's just empty words. So really the only true way to like make amends is those living amends. And I think the key part of it is, you know, when you say you're sorry, you know, you have to like mean it. And by meaning it, it means you're not going to do it again. And that's that's one thing that I okay I do remember something my sponsor said. He said when I went and did my amends to like my family members, he would say like, when you after you make your amends, ask them what can I do to be a better son or what can I do to be a better brother, and then let them tell you whatever they're going to tell you, and then when they tell you, then you do that, and that's what it's gotcha. about. You know, it's it to me, it's it's really like all the chaos and the destruction that we, we cause like selfishly throughout our whole lives. Now is our moment. And like doing the ninth step gives us that starting point, that starting point that we can make that affirmation that we're going to do this. We're going to live a different way. And I'm sorry for doing this stuff and I'm no longer going to do it. So for the rest of our lives, our whole main goal is to, should be to live by the principles and to not do the same stuff we did before. So even people like like your college pals and stuff who you don't really talk to, as an as part of your living amends to them is to make sure you don't do that same stuff you did to them to other people going forward. Mm. You know? Yeah. I like that. So James, I know this topic actually was spawned by something you brought up the other day. And since we have different listeners, can you kind of touch on that and how um, that came into your mindset of like something that just a couple days ago you felt like you wanted to touch on? Certainly. Thanks, Mike. Um, so the day before yesterday, I brought up the morning meeting topic of living amends because my, my two children, I have two teenage boys. And they're starting school in Miami, and they um, are doing virtual school. And uh, they've been having some complications, the school district, and it's been, you know, 
hit or hit or miss as far as classrooms. So it's, it's definitely a learning process for everyone. But um, since the beginning, I've been right with them, FaceTiming them, trying to work on uh, making sure they're on class in time. I, I call them the night before, um, tell them to get to bed early, wake up and have a nice breakfast. And all of these are, um, are a way of being a father, a way of being there for my children. Um, because much like Kevin, I drank for much of their childhood. They were, um, they were smaller, and I'm not sure how much they remember, but uh, they know that uh, on Sundays they would, they would want to go and play, but I was passed out. I was drunk. Um, it got to the point where when they were uh, 7 and 10, they would ask me, please don't drink this weekend, Dad. We want to have fun and play with you. And I would be like, oh, I'm sorry, you guys. Daddy's got a drink. Um, fast forward to uh, making amends with them, um, you know, letting them know that, you know, daddy is an alcoholic and he goes to meetings and he's better now. <clears throat> to um, being there for them. Even though they're in Miami, 300 miles away, um, I, I call them, I text them multiple times a day. Because by the grace of God, they still want uh, to be part of my life, and they still are actively involved in asking about how I'm doing, and they can't wait to come visit me up here in Orlando. Um, to me, um, living amends is, is, you know, having been changed uh, through a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. I am never going to be that person I was before that caused so much pain and so much heartache in the lives around me. Because I've changed, living amends is reflected most in the people around me and the people closest to me and the people who love me the most. Um, <clears throat> it's easier with my children, uh, with their mother, because I'm not, I don't see them face to face every day. I will say it's, it's a little harder with my wife because I don't have an answer. I don't know why. Like, if I see my wife in a bad mood or is not herself in one day, I tend to take it personally. And I really am I'm praying to God. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yes. I'm getting a lot of static now I hear what Dennis is talking about. I'm hearing a lot of the static, too. I hope it comes out okay when we release this. But anyway. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, are you talking about me or the... Yes, I wasn't. So, I wasn't. Um, living amends is also, you know, to my wife, who I drank with and treated horribly. Um... And then we got sober together, and my sponsor likes to tell me that, you know, just because you were a jerk yesterday doesn't mean you ever have to do that again. And um, to me, that is um, not taking things personally. You know, and don't, assuming, don't assume that she's mad because of something I did. She, she might be going through something. 
ask questions, um, and just for, for crying out loud, just be loving in, in all that I do. As long as I'm loving, I'm empathetic, I'm a good listener, that's stuff that I need to work on. And for some reason, I, it's, it's a slow process for me. And then maybe that's because I've been this way my whole life. Uh, but I know that my living amends to my wife involves um, not assuming she's always mad at me um, and really listening and being loving. But that's something I'm working on today, guys. So wish me luck. Yeah. Thanks, James. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's tough. I'm dealing with something that I, I never thought I would uh, would have to deal with with the divorce that I'm going through. I tried so hard with living immense that, let me see. So I guess I hit step nine about a year sobriety with my first sponsor. So, uh, you know, f this was like five years ago since just two days ago, I picked up uh, six year sobriety. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful that I have this, but the living immense was first told to me when I hit a year and my sponsor said, okay, now's the big time where everything you do, instead of just saying sorry, has to be working for the future and trying to anything that you think would make them happy, be loving. And I did that. And speaking with a couple, um, the old timers in our home group, they were like, you're, you know, over the last four years of being in celebration, they would say, you know, you have to make sure that there's a thin line between living immense and being a doormat. And you can't, and it, it, it just, uh, I can't get out of my head. And maybe you guys have some perspective to help me. I almost feel like the living immense at some respects when these people were saying like, you know, you're just being a doormat, like you don't have any say you're just in the background because it's not about you. We always say it's not about us anymore, but it was so not about me that I outside of going to meetings and, you know, helping out other alcoholics all the other time was not about me and what I wanted. And I think the shift happened when I had my uh, daughter come to this world and my focus got split between my wife and my daughter and so much focus on my daughter that I think the four years of it all being about my wife, she picked up some resentment and the living immense was, she felt like, that I was taking it back, but I wasn't, I was putting it on somebody else, you know? Um, and I'm having a tough time with it. You know, it, like every single day I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I should have done it differently. But the positive <laughs> is if I didn't, I on like if living immense for the first many years in sobriety, then she wouldn't have wanted to have a family with me. And I wouldn't have my daughter today. And I think that's all because of God, you know, and there's probably somebody better out there for me. But 
I have a tough time, and I didn't share this in the, the meeting that James was talking about a couple days ago, um, because I didn't know, I didn't there's like 50 something people on that, that meeting. So I didn't want to get that many people's opinions, but I value you guys and maybe how I can flip her and see that the living immense now can be directed towards, I guess my daughter in this next chapter or the, the future uh, relationships down the line that I come into. Can I, can I say something? I would love no. that. Um, okay. I want to, I want something that James said as is very Im important to realize, and this might help you too in, in part of what you're going through. I don't know about the whole thing, but yeah. what, what James said was when he call he calls his, his, his kids, his boys and make sure they're ready for school. And he makes sure that they're on time. What, what I had to do one time a couple of years ago, and this is part of living amends, is my son had my 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 ex-wife called me, tell me my son was having these crazy ideas about he was going to quit his job, he was going to move to Washington State, and he was going to do all these things, but he had no money, he had no backup plan, he had no real plan. So I had to I had to call him and talk to him, man to man, uh, father to son and say, what's your plan? Well, how are you going to do that? Where's your backup? Where are you going to live? How are you going to get there? You know, what happens when you get there? You know, and it turns out he was, he had this kind of promise to stay at a friend's house and stay on his couch. And I'm like, do you have any money? Do you have a backup? You know, like I had to call and be a father to him, you know, and that's what James is doing to his kids part of kids don't want anything great. They want a parent and a unicorn and a pony. I couldn't give them a pony. <laughs> Dennis is sporting a unicorn right now, but of course, um, but that's what the big thing is in your situation right now. You don't have, there's no living amends to make towards your daughter. You just be the best father you can. Yeah. That's how you make it right with her. And if you do that with your daughter, it seems to me like the rest is going to fall into place. All the other stuff is out of our hands. It's in God's hands. The only thing I can do in my situation with my kids is be the best father to them that I can be. Because that's ultimately what they want. They're going to have friends. They're going to have people they know. They're going to have other people in their life. But they only have one father. You know, and I went through a period when they were growing up, there was always people that took them under their wing and, you know, like my daughter worked this job for 15 years and she's just a great, she's a great young woman and she's a hard worker and the bosses loved her. We're always giving her money and stuff. She went to college, they bought her a computer and there was a little bit of guilt I used to feel because of that. I couldn't do it for her, but I had to flip it. So you know what? At least somebody could though, you know, and that's a testament to her, not me. You know, that's the person she is. People like to do nice things for her. Same thing with my son. But that's because they're great people. And, and, but it's all a mindset. You know, I don't have to do these great things for them. I just have to be there for them as their father. Because ultimately, all children want a good parent. You know, somebody they can lean on or, or talk to. You know, and that's, that's, it's, it's, that's it. So to me, it seems if you want to be the best, best father to your daughter that you can be, then that's going to be enough. 
that will ultimately be enough. Is your relationship with her make it strong and make it good, and it'll the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. In, in, in the spirit of inclusiveness, some blessed children have two fathers. Nothing okay. on that. Thanks, Dennis. I'm going to go get a coffee. I'll see y'all later. You're leaving? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They have two mothers. Let's get really inclusive. That's true. This is is true. This is is good stuff. Um, Have you guys had any, um, whether it's sponsees that have asked for advice on things that have been tough, that it involves living immense, um, that have come up. Obviously, don't name them, and I don't need their social security numbers, but just things that have come up that you've actually had to ask your sponsors uh, to, to help them through. Like, what's the toughest living immense? Is it parent, child, or significant other um, to get through? Um, I'll chime in with like, have y'all actually had sponsees that made it to step nine? Yeah, I I have. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I've had a couple, (laughs) but, um, I think like, I don't know, typically when I handle like the topic of living the men's, it's not specified to like a single individual to me is like we're making living amends by the way we live our life. And that affects that affects every single person we've ever come in contact with in the world at large, you know, even our communities and our society and stuff like that, we're, we're making amends to them all. And it's by the way we live our lives, you know? Yes, absolutely. Living amends is how I live and I carry myself from this point on onward, you know, after a point of healing, which is usually usually your first couple of years, you get to, okay, it, it's a different outlook on society, you know? How can I contribute now, you know? And to me, that's the spiritual way of life is I finally found my place where I, my little puzzle piece, I finally figured out where I fit into life, and now I can contribute in a positive way. That's living up immense. Um, I have one sponsee, and um, he was having some issues you know, he with his uh, two daughters, and um, he um, he made his amends and everything. But he found out that they were still, you know, still having issues. He was still building up anger because roughly they were like just doing whatever they wanted, and they 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 weren't getting along with their mom, and he just felt helpless. So, you know, what I um, suggested to him was. You know, instead of letting this anger build up, um, you know, try listening to them and 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 instigating or not in, ish like just putting new guidelines because you are ultimately the father of the house. So just come up with new uh, pathways for them to follow and suggest new ideas. And I I, I gave them three books to read um, that were recommended by my sponsor. And um, he, God bless him, read all books. And he said he would report to me, and he's like, things are getting better, James. And um, one of the books was Have a New Kid by Friday. 
And uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that wasn't recommended by my sponsor. That was recommended. <laughs> <laughs> but the other books were like Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now, A New Earth, and um, really, really stuff that just changes the way you think about the world. And when you when you think differently about the situations around you and uh, you come from a loving place and a, a place of peace and a place of just uh, constant uh, gratitude, you know, you like the problems just disappear and uh, they might even be there, um, but you can uh, find solutions to problems instead of complaining about them. So that was a really cool thing just because a trickle down effect when I would come up with stuff. My sponsor gave me a book after a year of sobriety. I was able to give that to my sponsee after a year of sobriety. Um, and it seems like it was exactly when he needed it and the right stuff. And, you know, it's just cool the way, you know, the, this program keeps working and uh, keep giving back. Uh, every morning I still pray. I always pray that, I, you know, God put someone in front of me that I can help today. And I don't know how that's going to come, what it'll look like, but... He always seems to put someone. It might be someone at my job who just needs help finding a location. But whatever it is, it's good to be helpful. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you consider this uh, a living amends. I think my first sponsor told me that it was in some respect because then uh, it was an it was an ex of mine who. You know, I think it's it's very common that I've seen of people wanting to reach out to exes and make amends of things they did in the past when they were in their, the, what do they say, the throes of addiction. And I, I desperately wanted to. And he said, you know what you do? You write it down on a piece of paper of the amends. You say it to me. You burn it because his whole thing was, I actually think he might have been a pyro now that I'm thinking back. Because everything had to do with, like, putting it in a bowl and burning it. I actually did that with my entire uh, fourth step after I did my fifth. He's like, okay, just burn it. And then we came to the eighth step, and he's like, all right, you already got the fourth step done. So just take those names because those people you're going to make amends to in some respect. And I'm like, Dave, you told me to burn it. Like, it's gone. It's, there's, it's nowhere to be found. And he's like, you didn't actually do it, did you? So with an ex of mine, he told me to actually do it. So that way I wouldn't actually reach out to the person. But the things that I did wrong in that relationship to carry it over to things that I wanted to correct in my current one. And it was uh, like that living immense was something that I was appreciative. I don't know. Like, did you guys put, you, you didn't have to burn it, but the people that you didn't actually reach out to that was advised you didn't, did you have a situation where you wanted to and either you did or you took your sponsor's advice if that's what it was and you didn't? Like, how did that work for you? I think for me, like, um, there was a couple of people, mainly like my exes, where my sponsor told me, like, you know, don't make a actual amends to them because you know we're not supposed to harm others so it was like if they're like happy and married and moved on and whatever don't like contact them and judge up old things just to make yourself better but carry that 
amends into, you know, your other relationships. Um, there was another one where he told me to do it by message, like write him a message, not like actually do it for a particular reason or whatever. So I took his advice on that. But, uh, but as far as like the living men's aspect of it, I think it is, it's, it, you know, the harm that I cause these particular people, whether I'm able to physically make an amends to them in person or like even find them or contact them, it's important that I take the lesson that I learned from them and carry it the same pain to other people. I, uh, I had a situation in that particular with old relationship. Um, when I first got sober, I think I was at a month, two months maybe sober. I met a girl who had just come in the rooms and we started a relationship. <clears throat> and it was, uh, it was a horrible idea, but it was a lot of fun. And after about two months, I realized that I was focusing more on her than I was on my recovery. So I broke up with her. Um, I tried to do it by text, but she wouldn't let me. And she called me and called me out. And I told her what was going on. And uh, she was upset, but uh, she understood. Well, when I did the steps, and this is, you know, uh, I was probably a little over a year sober. I wanted to, I'm, I'm working on men. I wanted to make an amends to her, and I had talked to my sponsor about it. And he was like, you know, some people want to make amends, they're not quite ready yet. He goes, you always have to stop. And when you're ready to make amends and things are going to be okay, they'll show up. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. No, uh, like, okay, whatever. Well, sure enough, I went to work before. She wasn't there. Uh, I had a patient there. I was like, okay, well, that's the way it is. And about a month later, I was sitting in the noon meeting, the noon meeting at Central. And she came walking in to go to the meeting. She never went to that meeting. And uh, it was like a wow. It was like an oh my God moment. You know, after the meeting, I was able to pull her aside, talk to her, and I went to make the amends, and of course, she said I didn't owe her one, uh, but I felt like I did, so, you know, I did it, and um, we, we, we're, we're friends. I mean, we were, we were friends then, but we're, our relationship got stronger from that, and we're still friends today. Like, I talk to her all the time, like, probably once a week, and she has a daughter and a family up in Louisiana, and, you know, she's living her life, and we get to, you know, we get to we get to chat and have fun and it's a lot of fun to talk to her. And, uh, and that's what I was saying about when we do these things to the living amends part, it's how we reinforce our relationship with people, you know, and it, it kind of, it kind of helps out, you know, and then, but also too, we need to be careful that says that says harm to others, you know, and we have to be careful that we're not pushing ourselves on them. Because it starts to feel good, you know. We're we're, we're right. We're, we're correcting our past, we're making our our lives right, and so we get a little selfish about it. 
that's why sponsorship in this step is so important. Yeah. I, th- I think that's great. Is there, if, if you were to pick a, I guess, outside of, yes, the, the immense step of step nine, what helps you make that uh, immense? Like, what, what step actually do you bring with you more than anything else? I know I have one in mind. I, I figure, James, it's probably the same for you. What do you think, James, as far as the step to bring with you with that living immense? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as you know, because when I'm turning my will over to God, you know, I'm bringing everything I can to do the best that I can uh, to make that amend. Which one was really step three? So I'm, I'm taking um, my will and I'm giving it to God. And so the outcome is really not up to me. All I can do is the best I possibly can. Um, people are going to do whatever they want. Um, but as long as I'm doing the best I can, it's, it's really not up to me what happens next. But I can sure try to do it the right way and um, give it over to God. So I say, I say step three for sure. That's what I bring in to any amends or living amends yeah i was gonna say step 12 because you just i usually will like bring an entire meeting to the amends that i'm making and have them sing in like in like a choir like fashion exactly what i want to do you know your step 12 sounds like really different. i'm sorry i really mean it this time you know, big dance like that. everything it's usually, and Dennis also taps it out. So he has, he has, we have a, a mobile tap dance floor. We yep. lay that down for him so he can tap it out. Yep. I always carry a fanny pack with my tap shoes in it. Yeah. If you ever listen Which, to his taps, it's really Morse code going, help me. Help me, save me. Help me. It sounds like, it sounds like everybody else is asking for help. I don't, you know? I don't want to be the dancing monkey. <laughs> Oh, it's not a bad gig. What's your answer? What? My, my answer would be, I, w- I would think step three in the sense that, like, it can be scary, you know, like humbling yourself to go ask for people uh, for forgiveness, basically. And so step three, surrendering and giving it to God can give you that strength to get through it. Um, As far as... The living amends, I think you hit it on the nail with step 12, when we practice these principles in all of our affairs and help another alcoholic, that's our living amends. That's the way we live our life and carry it forward. My answer would be step seven. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't meaning actually singing and tap dancing. What was that? I was, what? That's what I meant. Just, I, I, I said that's, that's what I meant. As far as step twelve, not actually tap dancing and, oh, and singing you got in a choir. No, I was looking forward That's... to the show. We... <laughs> what, do, what do you think? Uh, Kevin? I'm a, I pick a in those step in, that helps you in doing my amends. Uh, step seven comes to mind. I humbly ask him to remove my shortcoming, and because uh, 
definitely you need a big spoonful of humility to do uh, events, you know, even just to start them. <laughs> and if we look at this, that um, the seven step prayer is God, I'm now willing that you should have all of me um, remove from me every single defect of character that I can better do thy will, you know, and uh, that that's what this is about is I'm going forward to amend things I've done wrong in the past, you know, and quite frankly, there are people that will not forgive us, um, but that's on them because in this step, it's about me making my stuff right. It's not how, you know, it's not, I'm not a saint, you know, I'm just trying to do what I can to, to make right what I did in the past, however that might be, you know, and uh, there's a different, there's conflicting views on that, but that's how I feel about it. You know, um, I can't beat anybody into submission to forgive me, but I can offer it up that, you know, I am sorry and, and be heartfelt with it, you know, and uh, to me, it takes a, a big dose of humility and, uh, as we get later on in the steps, that's what we're really learning is how to be humble. You know, it takes the place of the selfish and self-centeredness. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Anything else you guys want to add on this before we close it up? Crickets. No. <laughs> Sounds like no. Sounds like no. Okay. Well, thank you guys. And uh, thank you to our guest, Kevin, again, uh, very, very soon, we would love to hear your story if you would grace us with that uh, on an upcoming episode of the Effective Characters Podcast. Was this as good as you heard that it was? Yeah. The experience. Yeah, it was, was it great, fun? except for the tap dancing. <laughs> well, you got to praise us. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fishing for praise. I am, yes, I need it. I need it more than ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was great. Uh, everything I read about the National Enquirer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we try. We, we're actually featured in the upcoming mm. uh, The Globe uh, magazine as well that you can find on your newsstands. Uh, unless, unless you actually get your groceries delivered to your house, in which case you have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 53. With effective characters, entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. To remember to live in the sunlight of the spirit, and we'll see you Bye. next time. Bye. Adios.